Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys more dangerous than a high wire act over Times Square. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, was that happening tonight? I saw that one of those events was happening soon. Yes, um, it just ended. Like in tragedy or in boredom? <laughs> in boredom. Okay. Well, um, I love how Cal- that's a, there's only, those are the two extremes. Either something amazing happened or somebody died. And that would be the amazing thing. I'm not rooting for it, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, these high wire acts, like, oh, they're walking across this. I'm like, that that's great. You know, but if you didn't have confidence that you could do it, you wouldn't do it. Like, get they did amateurs it with, uh, up they did there. It with a safety, they did it with safety harnesses. Did they? They did. I mean, that's like... disgrace to the Walenda name. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's sickening. Well, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak, and uh, you can find me at Producer Gene. And uh, why can't the Phillies get some safety harnesses then? I don't really understand why they have to play without a net. Oh, yeah, because there's no... There's definitely no harness here, and there's no telling how far this fall can really go. I just titled this uh, on the on the headline, It's a Fucking Nightmare. Because it really, that's what it is. Spelled with an F and not a PH. And you can tell right. that's how serious it was. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me to be, to be cutesy about it with a PH. No, it's just a straight F. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not cute. It's not fun. It's, it's a beating and you know baseball has its up and downs it's a long season but this has been going on since what may like this current free fall uh, free fall began in the dodgers series you know we won like two series after that but what that's it right we won the red series and i can't think of another series we took after that uh yeah we beat san diego and the Reds, I think. I think this so it's basically the entire month of June. Yeah, we have. Yeah. I think we have six wins in June against oh. bad teams. And I think all of those came before my birthday, which was June sixth. <laughs> and they didn't play on your birthday, Gene. And that was the curse. The yep. curse of Gene Dieselack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, noted. <laughs> Next year, you're gonna have to play on my birthday. So I mean, all right. Well, why? Why is this happening? Why, why, why did we lose uh, our seventh straight today and, and nine out of ten or eight out of nine? Yeah. Why, why is this happening? Help me understand. Yeah, we haven't won we... since last Saturday. I almost forget what winning is like. <laughs> why isn't it happening? Is there, you know, uh, outside of Bruce, um, is there anything we like that's going on with this team? Uh, Romuto's catching. That's it. You're, like, you're enjoying Jay Bruce? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, I have been, yes. But, okay. like, outside of, you know, his exceeding low expectations, uh, I mean... Yeah, I, I, he's, he's returned to Earth. Well, he has, but it's... So here's... It, it was here's fun while it lasted. Here's what I'll say, okay? And, and uh... We have failed. This team has failed uh, 
to to one secure a, an appropriate bullpen. Like this is before the season started. This team has failed to assemble a proper bullpen. It has no real closer. Okay. Yeah. The team failed to get a proper number two starter. This is before the season started. Okay. They also failed to recognize that they don't have a proper number one starter. And the manager has the the la- the injury to McCutcheon is seems to be irrecoverable and the lack of manager at leadership and leadership within the team just seems to be totally missing. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't hop on that. All great points, Dave. But one of the things that you've brought up and I, I feel like you've brought it up on the show before, but you've definitely brought it up in our chats and conversations is this is when a manager earns his paycheck. You know, when everybody's healthy and everyone's playing well and you're getting good relief pitching and good starting pitching, well, then you just hand up the li- hand in the lineup card and, and sit down. But Gabe has proved completely ill-equipped to handle any of this ever since uh, Kutch went down. And I'm a big McCutcheon fan, but he was just one guy. You know, he was just one guy on a team that was playing you know, pretty damn well. He he's he's lost. Uh, Kapler is lost. Mm-hmm. He's. Uh, I, I'm starting to believe that he is not a leader of men. Uh, I'm starting to believe that he cannot do the difficult thing when it needs to be done. I mean, look at this. Uh, so this no hustle thing that sort of engulfed the city. Uh, look, is is somebody taking an extra base? three times this month going to turn our record into a positive one for the month of June? No. And did it affect the outcome of those games? No, probably not. When you're talking about just from an analytics standpoint, did, you know, uh, Hernandez getting to second, but, you know, yeah, I thrown out a double play, but, you know, would it have altered the tide of the game? No, probably not. Um, but just look, just look how Gabe has backed himself into a corner here. So this all starts with Segura, right? Yeah. Segura doesn't doesn't run hard. McCutcheon gets hurt, whether it's his fault or not. You know, we've discussed that on the show. But Gabe's lack of addressing that issue head on with Segura when that happened has now made it down to okay. So Reese does it. What happens? Now it's Cesar Hernandez does it a couple of times. What happens? Now you, you're, at, you're in a point now where you can't take action because you haven't done it before. So doing it now looks hypocritical, and it looks like you're picking on either a, not a, like the players that aren't stars get, get punished versus the ones that are, and you, you, know, you're just, you, you just lose credibility as a leader of men. And that's where I'm at with Kapler right now. Do you think it's a crisis of perception? Do you think it's a problem because we're mired in this funk? You know, if we had rattled off, if we hadn't faded so much to the point where it's, we are, we're at one point as many as nine games over 500, we are exactly one game over 500 today. 
we were uh, up as many, I believe, as four and a half games in the in the division. We are now back. I think at the end of the day, we might be back a full five games, six games, uh, almost a I week's it was worth six of games. Yeah. It, it, so uh, we've gonna com- we've kind of completely flipped ourselves. So. The perception now becomes you're a team not only that is uh, incompetent, I don't know of a better way to put it than that they look incompetent, and you also give off the perception that you don't care. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's one thing to be playing badly, but what becomes unforgivable in Philadelphia is if you're playing badly and you look like you don't give a shit. That becomes unforgivable. We, We have watched a lot of bad teams in every sport we get bad play. We get, you know, in some cases we call that scrappy. But what we don't like is when we feel like we've invested emotionally in you and you don't care. You 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 are not putting out any kind of an effort. I don't know if I'm quite there with this team. I don't know if I think they don't care. But what I do think is that they don't understand the perception that they are putting forth. Um that they aren't doing the things to change that perception. Uh, And that, I believe, falls on the manager. The manager has to kind of say, listen, we need to act professionally. That's what he needs to inspire them to do, act and play professionally. That's what's lacking right now. You have to do your job. Um, Maybe there needs to be a tightening up of we need to not joke around so much. It's great when you're when you're when you're winning. You can you can have that perception of a team that's having fun. Now you just need to be a team that that goes out and does its job. You don't need to wave and do goofy crap on second yeah. base when you hit a double. Just go and do your job right now and focus on doing your job and worry less about uh, you know doing the things that modern baseball players do. Uh, you know, the overt celebration, the the hamming it up. You can't do that when you're in a slump. You need to focus solely on doing the right thing every single play. That's the beauty, beautiful thing about baseball is you can break it down literally into every single opportunity that you're going to have in, over the course of nine innings. You can, you can affect something on every single play. Um, and that's what these, these guys need to be doing. Well, I yeah, think you... And- and uh, I'll just make my point real quick, Dave, and you're probably going to say something similar, is that isn't this the time to, to buckle down and run out? You know, run out the, you know, of the box and hustle. And just because, all right, maybe you can't control the slump you're in, but you can control the, the little things, the fundamentals, and just do them, you know? And that goes back to me of, you know, Dave, you said leader of men, or maybe they just, Gabe can't motivate them to go, all right, this is embarrassing. Let's just do the little things right and hope everything turns around. Well, Gene, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head with some of those things there. And, yeah, you're right. We have invested in this team uh, emotionally this season. I mean, just look at how this, this year started, and we were so excited that we were going to have Phillies every night all summer long and that's looking like it's not the case anymore I mean we've we have invested emotionally we've invested monetarily we've invested with our time uh, in this team and if you can't muster up enough to win one goddamn game at home against the Marlins this weekend 
that's pathetic. And if there's nobody on that team that's willing to look in the mirror and say, what the fuck are we doing? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm out. I, I, I'm out. Like, I, I don't understand it. You, and I'm starting to question whether, you know, is is this is Reese Hoskins? Is this his clubhouse? Whose clubhouse is this? It looks like it's getting taken over by uh, the Gene Segura mentality uh, over the, the Bryce Harper, you know, play hard, hard nosed baseball you know, mentality. Like, why, why is that the prevailing sentiment? The, I, I don't care. I mean, if, like I said, if you're not embarrassed that you lost all three of these games, how do you lose? How did you lose Friday night? Yeah. How the fuck did you lose Friday night? With that gem that Aaron Nola threw, I mean, you know, he gave up two runs, but I mean, like, whatever. I mean, there was a quality start. You went, eight eight, he strong. went eight innings. Yeah, he went eight innings. If you get your starter into the eighth inning, you should, you should be in this game. The crowd was in a goddamn lather, uh, you know, with Chase Utley there. I mean, it was a sold out crowd on a Friday night. How do you not? Ha- I mean, how do you not have enough juice to win that game? Yeah, and it's it's something a circle on the calendar of like if there's a a better funk brace breaker, I don't know what it is. You know, your your number one pitcher, uh, you know, Dave, you said right off the bat, and doesn't seem like we even have one, but you know, Nola goes out there and pitches a gem, like you said, and it's Chase Utley night. You you can see what your chance for your legacy in Philadelphia is. It's it's sitting right in front of you. They're celebrating him. It, he's well-respected around baseball, and you get to go and feed off that momentum. And I don't care if it's an ugly win, but you have to win that game and exhale a little, take the pressure off a little, and just take the... I'm pissed they didn't take the series from the Marlins. Chase Utley is like the patron saint of playing baseball the right way. Yeah. Like, like if that wasn't, I don't know, a sign or a, a message to you at the right time to say, look at how we react to this brand of baseball. Look what you need to be doing. I, if the message is lost, then it'll it, it'll never go through to these guys. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready to start moving on from some of these players. Which just, one? Uh, just no, like what Gene said, like emotionally, oh, I'm okay. moving on. Like, I, I'm thankful I don't have a Gene Segura jersey. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's he's taking the worst brunt of it. But, yeah, it, the investment is dropping. And I really don't want it to. But it's becomes a bit of a chore to turn on the game when the kids are asleep or to, you know, obsessively be checking the score and, or, you know, trying to stream it to my phone while I'm putting the kids to bed. I've talked about on this show before of like up until both kids are asleep, I don't get the main TV (laughs) and I would have the, was it game day up on the, the MLB app where you're watching like the sort of animated version of the game. And, I haven't done that as much, you know, but I want them to get me excited. I want them to, I'm checking in every night to find out, come on guys, give me something here. And hell, half the time they're down four runs. Yeah. So here's what Kapler says about, you know, the effort question. 
those things are definitely things that need to be addressed. They have to be addressed swiftly. They have to be addressed with authority, and they will be. When did he say that? Uh, this was, I think, I think it was yesterday after the, yesterday's game. Had to be addressed two weeks ago, three weeks ago. No, I just <laughs> he's all. I, I don't know that there's any substance behind anything that he offers us as fans. So if we don't believe him, and 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 we are, you know, at at, at certainly at arm's length, if not further. You know what? What do you think the the people that are in that locker room that are required by their contract to follow what he says? How how seriously do you think they take him? You know, it's yeah, taken, I mean, you, it's look. taken to this long for him to get thrown out of one goddamn baseball game. Do you think that anybody took that that fiasco or that charade of him getting thrown out the other night as any kind of a message? Do you think that 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 lit a fire under one person's butt? Uh, it was a joke. It was a. It was a. It was. It was comedic at the time. But it's not. But that that isn't that that isn't addressing the issue at hand here. Like he, him going out and getting thrown out of a game is in support of his players. The issue that we're having is he doesn't hold his players accountable. He doesn't hold them accountable to each other. He doesn't hold them accountable to the team. He just allows whatever to happen. Like wh- whatever you allow to happen. Is, is as a manager or a parent or a leader, whatever you allow to happen is what you endorse to happen. So if mm-hmm. you allow players to not run things out, then you're a, you're a proponent of players not running things out. You have to look, Charlie, when J-Roll did this, he's benched. No ifs, ands, or buts. No questions about it. Oh, you're the MVP last year? Congratulations. You didn't run that out. You're benched. That sends a message to the whole team. That we don't accept that brand of play here, but what we do now, welcome, welcome to Philadelphia, where we don't run out plays to first because we can't be bothered. It's like, what's the point of even going through the motions of running to the base if you think you're going to be out after you hit the ball? You just run, just just run to the dugout. There's really no point in even going through the motions of pretending to go into first base at this point. Who cares? I'm really turning on this team. I really am. This is. Uh, it's really hard to stand by this team and go, I'm excited to turn on the Phillies tonight. The interesting thing is, you know, you pointed out a very specific incident, which, uh, you know, I think that was, was that 08 that that happened, that, that J-Roll got benched, or was that 09? I, I think it was certainly a year that we were in the playoffs. So it's not yeah. like we were, it was an inconsequential, you know, last year, you know, the way it was last year in September. Had he, had he put somebody, in, you know, on the bench on September 15th, 2018. But Chase Utley goes up, to give his speech on his retirement, he thanked three people, none of which were his wife, which they made a point about saying on the broadcast. Um, but he thanks three people, one of which was Charlie. And he he specifically said, Charlie Manuel, thank you for being you. And and everybody who was in that stadium, Dave, you were there. Everybody who was at home, everybody who was in their office, me, we all knew exactly what that meant. You don't have to explain to us what it means to be Charlie Manuel. Like, nobody had to, nobody was like, I wonder what he means. No, we all got it. That's all he had to say was, Charlie, thank you for being Charlie. Thank you for being the leader. And thank you for making us accountable to each other. Thank you for showing us how we needed to go out and win. Yeah. And and what you got from Charlie was honesty. You know, and... 
And I love to go back to that uh, J-roll benching uh, incident was, and I think you're right, Gene, I I want to say 09, but it was definitely a playoff year, definitely a really good team, probably a World Series year. But it wasn't like he was vilifying Jimmy in the press. You know, it wasn't like damning him. It's like, you don't run it out, you sit. That's it. Those are Those are Charlie's rules. And to go back to something you said, Dave, when you're just not buying it, doesn't everything Gabe Kapler says reek of bullshit and like poor bullshit too? Like not like, oh, okay, this guy's charming. And then after a while you go, you know what? I, I can't trust a word you say. It sounds like he's condescending and it sounds like he just feels like he can write off anything but a toss of his hand. No, no, no. It'll be addressed. Well, if you look at it this way, it's that. It's not. It's stand for something, believe in something, and and congratulations, Gabe. You had three guys killing you last year on this show, and he bought himself a lot of rope. Now, I still support him over Angelo Cataldi, but Angelo Cataldi's calling for his job, and I'd be happy to see him go. I don't know who you're bringing in, but... I have no faith in him. I have no faith that he's he has an answer. I think he might just luck his way into it or the team might will their way into it, but I'm not going to credit Gabe for the turnaround. Yeah, we it's can't just... we can't be in a position where we're we're hoping that the nat manager gets to a point where he's no longer hurting the team. Like that's that's where we're at right now is we yeah. are hoping optimistic uh, the 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 positive outcome here would be can Gabe not hurt us any longer can we get to, back to a point where he is neutralized by our play that's not what you want in a manager I mean it, it's beyond X's and O's now and and you know p- calling a game by the book it's to the point now where Gabe Kapler is a coward. He's afraid to do the tough thing. His players have now recognized that. And they're treating him accordingly. And the play on the field is is making it evident. I mean, like, I really hate to be all Cataldi about it. Um, but either he needs to do what he needs to do, and he knows what he needs to do, um, or he's not effective in his position. Yeah. When you guys were in high school, did you have that teacher? We all had the teacher where you knew, like, I'm so glad I'm getting to go to that class because I'm going to literally not have to do absolutely anything for the next hour. I can yeah. I can sit and draw in my notebook. I can take a nap. <laughs> I can I can eat Swedish fish out of my jacket pocket. I can do whatever I want, and I'm still going to get a B plus because the guy doesn't want to have to deal with my parents coming in and yelling at him for flunking me. So he'll probably sit at his desk and check his email or whatever. But the last thing he's going to do is discipline me. But after you graduated from high school, did, did you go back to visit that guy's class? Or did you go back to the English teacher who taught you how to fucking write? Right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm sure we've all had that boss at work, too, that would let you get away with murder. But you also knew that he wasn't going to get the job done. Or she wasn't going to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we're at. But, hey, let's talk more about Chase Utley because that is actually like a – source of joy for us yeah <laughs> yeah it, t- it took us 20 minutes to get the happiness uh, on this show tonight <laughs> oh don't worry the misery isn't over we're just taking a brief hiatus from it <laughs> um so 
like we all got to see the ceremony, right? Yeah, I, I only got to see highlights. Okay, I didn't get to see it live. So it was a little weird, uh, I will say. To start, they brought out some special guests. To so they had the the chase the podium. They had the special Chase Utley logo brought out to cover home plate. And then before they went with the ceremony, they brought out some special guests. So they brought out, um, uh, you know, Charlie Manuel got like one of the bigger cheers. Uh, Mike Schmidt came out, uh, got a pretty uh, big cheer. Um, Greg Dobbs wasn't Greg Dobbs. Well, so hold on. So Ed Wade, um, and Ruben Amaro Jr. And they both got like sort of tepid, like mixed some booze. There's a lot. There's a lot of apologists for Ed Wade now. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And then, but you know, Ruben got you know some booze, which is you know. I thought they were just saying Rube. (laughs) So then we have uh, famous backup catcher Brian Schneider. Oh, that's who it was, Brian Schneider. (laughs) And I believe bullpen coach Mick Bilmer. Are they both both just with the Marlins? Schneider came through the Marlins, I think, at one point, or he was a Met. Um, They were were they just like hey. Florida, since you're here, uh, or Miami, since you're here, do you have any like tangential any former Phillies, Phillies that you want to just send over? Well, honestly, I think they they were contest winners. To <laughs> <laughs> be with the Marlins was just purely coincidental. What, they were what, like, no. what tooth member of the 2008? You think they went to Chase Utley and were like, "Look, you can have anybody from your whole <laughs> tenure with the Phillies. You can have, but you can only pick two. And you know they they they. <laughs> So there's people in the front office that are they've got Ryan Howard on speed dial, they got Jimmy Rollins on speed dial, they got Jane Shane Victorino on speed dial, uh, they've got Cole Hamels. They're going to call Chicago and say, you know, you can't start him on Chase Utley Day because we need him. So they're all ready, and Utley goes, "Give me Bullmeyer and uh, Schneider." Wait, I'm sorry, Brett Myers? <laughs> no, 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 Mick Bullmeyer. <laughs> oh, Bill Myers. Oh, okay, I didn't know. Right, uh... I don't have his number. Chase, do you have do you have his number? Is he still alive? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that was weird. Speech was okay. Speech was good for Chase. For Chase is the perfect caveat. Like, I, he, yeah. He can be really charming, really winning at times, but it's coming from this really Chase Utley place of like, he cares about one thing and it's playing baseball. And he does it it's such an even keel that his speeches are not the most emotive. Um, Is there I'll, a tepid like I, I I'm I'm still straddling this Dodgers thing that that is you know tempering the speech a little bit. I I think not. I mean. I don't know how much this is worth, but calling Philadelphia fans like the best fans in baseball or something along those lines. Maybe you don't make that statement if you had some allegiance to the Dodgers. I thought you were going to ask, is there some hesitation about retiring? Does he wish he was still out there? <laughs> I think there's no doubt about that. I think that if Chase Utley, he's nothing if not, I think, somewhat self-aware. I think that he was aware that he couldn't physically keep up anymore to yeah. a certain degree. No matter he could no longer just outwork everybody cuz if that was the case that he would play until his mid 80s. Um <laughs> so I think that just his body is just when you play the game the way that he does, your body eventually is going to wear down and that's what he ran into. Um and I think that he's accepted that, but I think that he's having a hard time maybe 
you could just see the actual joy in his body when he was back on the field, especially when they took like that kind of strangely prolonged, uh, you know, where they had him go out at second while they everybody else kind of took the field, and they they kind of stayed just kind of circling him with the camera, waiting for Cesar Hernandez to come out to his to his position. Every part of me wanted him at some point to just point Cesar back to the dugout and just be like, no, I, I'll, I'm going to take the first inning. Yeah, um, with the wingtips. Yeah, j- and no problem. Yeah, just the whole the whole thing. Um, but you could just kind of see that he he had a joy being back in that environment again. I think that there's a certain amount of. I don't think he's ever going to have baseball out of his system, and eventually you're going to see him uh, take take some other role in in an organization. But I, I really think that. He would be a much better kind of like a scout type of guy. I would, you know, can you imagine? I feel like he'd be the kind of guy that could go out and find a guy. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of whether or not he's going to be able to do that and and still, you know, maintain his his family life. Which I also think that he's having a good time being being home and being, you know, a guy. He, he I think the funniest things that he said was. He was talking about coaching his kids, and he's like, you know, if I could just get my kids to listen to me. Can you imagine if if your little league coach was Chase Utley? And, and and you're like, I don't know, who's this dude? What, your dad is so intense, man. Like, you need to take a chill pill. <laughs> don't um, get out of where that ball went's coming at you. All those, Lean all those, it. all those, all those California surfer kids are like, man, just chill, man. Like, uh, we we just here to have a good time, um, you know. And that's just not Chase Utley's style. He's gonna, he's gonna, you know. Well, you heard what he said to his kids, right? He's like, saw those highlights up there, right? I know what I'm talking about when I right. tell you to do something. You got to do it. <laughs> you got to do it. Right. And that's, and that, it, it's, I think that there is a certain amount of, uh, he's glad that, uh, you know, he, he's probably t- was getting a little worn down from the grind, you know, and, and, and not getting the results that he wanted. But he's always going to love the game. He's, he's always going to be beloved here. You could throw out his numbers against anybody else. It was his, just his charisma, which was, I don't know how else to put it. The guy just yeah. oozed everything that you wanted to be. Um, you know, women loved him. Men loved him more. Um, well, it, it was it's the opposite of Gabe Kapler. It's here are the things that I do. I don't need to talk about it. I don't need to say anything about it. You can see what I'm about on the field or through my actions, which is not something you get from Gabe Kapler. It's like, listen to what I say, but don't look at what I do. Yeah. Um, is what I'm all about. But anyway, but the highlight, the highlight of the Chase Utley night was, you know, and they played, they they played the clip from Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Max Letter to Chase, and then um, Rob McElhenney comes out on, on onto the field to receive the first pitch and finally have the catch with Chase. <laughs> it was like a joke that took two decades to pay off yeah yeah it was one of those meta moments that only happened in philadelphia the the city that erects the most popular tourist site to a fictional character uh those are the kinds of things that can only happen here can you imagine that sort of thing happening kind of in any other city where that would even like there's just no there's no comparison that's the thing that makes being a fan in this city great is that you know, it's like layers of an onion. We're not just the people that throw snowballs. There's, we're really, you know, there's a lot of depth to us. And if the yeah. rest of the country would just appreciate that, then we would have a lot less trouble. 
<laughs> we'd have a lot less trouble way to end a, a plea about the complexity and depth and and compassion of philadelphia with like a mob like <laughs> a mob sentence you know if you do this we're not gonna have any trouble you know <laughs> just just take it this way but we like to weave our our uh our sports and fictional uh mystiques within one another in some sort of like entwined dreamlike state <laughs> i don't even know how else to describe that you're going real like anthony gargano there that's <laughs> you know if you could have gone on for like three useless chapters <laughs> that way <laughs> no no i'm talking about his writing it's like philadelphia oh. <laughs> is in a dreamlike state where we combine our aspirations and like yo, yo cuz that's a violation all right <laughs> <laughs> any last thoughts on the phillies for this week uh, oh the, oh and the, oh, i want to talk about the giveaway so the, well, the giveaway is a bobblehead of chase utley but not like him playing baseball it's him at the 2008 world series parade speech complete with microphone and you beanie and wearing beads. I don't know. I was taken aback. I didn't know that that was going to be the the bobblehead giveaway. Did did you pull a string and did it have its his catchphrase? <laughs> no, no. Does it Although at the bottom? There... Does it at the bottom at least say Chase Utley WFC two thousand eight? Uh, no. It's I. It does say World Champions two thousand eight. I think on okay. the base. Right. Oh. There needs to be an F in there somewhere. There really um, should have been. There, there should have been. Missed an opportunity there. Um, there was a guy standing outside willing to buy them from everyone for 10 bucks a pop and his bag was full of them. So people sure, were of taking course. advantage of a local entrepreneur. How much, how much cash do you think you, how many tens do you think you bring? If you're going to be that guy, do you think you have like 300 in cash? I, I don't know. Look, I, is there a huge market for this thing on like eBay at this point? I, like I will admit I have bought, you know, bobbleheads off of ebay and you know it's it's not a it's not a small market you know no. I, i've paid i think i've paid as much as 20 bucks for one so if he's getting them for 10 he's gonna make double his money i have no idea what those chase utley ones are going for now but i had to get okay. a, a, a chooch one you know back in the day yeah so i'm looking at that exact uh bobblehead on ebay and it looks like they're going for around 30 dollars. oh well see that's he was getting three you know three times his money then yeah, I mean that's if he can sell them for that. I don't know what. Sure, people are. right. That's the, always the caveat with eBay is you can list it for whatever you want. It's what people are willing to pay. These giveaway baubles, do they ever look like the player? No. Those just look like some strange. Yeah. Well, I think we had a, a prolonged debate one time about the Andy Reid bobblehead, and <laughs> if the face didn't look too bad. But they only had, like, one plumpish body, <laughs> and he still would have been, like, a hundred pounds, and that's generous, probably more like 150 pounds, lighter than he actually was at the time. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it was flattery. Also, perhaps physics, perhaps the head wouldn't bobble on that sort of base. But, no, bobbleheads... They're they're fun, but even the ones that are well done don't particularly look like them. And I'm looking at the Chase bobblehead that didn't bobble uh, right now, and that looks like a bee sting victim. And, and not Chase. <laughs> well, Utley. you could check out you could check out my video review of the uh, the Chase Utley bobble on our Facebook page. So here, no. 
before no we words. before we leave, before we leave the Phillies, let's let's if you can fire you can fi- you get to fire one person, not Gabe Kapler. I'm gonna take him off the table. You can fire one person from the Phillies who's not the manager because I feel like they're gonna ride him out the rest of the year. You can fire one person. Who is it? Like in the organization? Uh, or... I, I mean, if you if there's a player you think that you could you could improve the team by subtracting. I will include that as well. Because I really believe that in 2006, trading Bobby Abreu set that team up for a decade. Hmm. I that's, don't, a, that's a really good question. You're man. setting me up to say Gene Segura. I, I just don't know that that's <laughs> like the right thing to do. I don't do. think we have an, I don't think Scott Kingery can play three positions at once. Uh, and we need him in center field. Uh, I would fire, this is who I would fire. I would fire the hitting coach. There would be no, there's there's no way that anybody could do any worse than the way this guy is. The only thing that he's brought to this team is he's he's told Bryce Harper who already walked a lot to walk more. There are some bizarre approaches to hitting that this team is taking, uh, and I I have no idea who else. You just get somebody in there that's going to teach a team to hit a fastball. I have never seen a team just. Miss so many fastballs in my life. Okay, I can't think of anyone to fire, but I can think of someone to promote, and I'd like to promote Gabe Kapler, uh, the <laughs> vice president of physical fitness for the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, that does mean we'd have to replace him as manager, but uh, I'd, I'd vote to promote him. <laughs> I, I can't think of anybody to I'll, get rid of that's not him. It's I, just... I'll let that go in the spirit of what we're doing here. Okay. <laughs> and Dave says, right, well, Dave says not Gabe. Uh, Dave says not Gene Segura. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, whoever's advising uh, Gabe Kapler that Bryce Harper should be leading off and Reese Hoskins should be hitting second. I can't be believe we haven't even gotten into that. It's like self-explanatory why you don't do that. Uh, oh, why uh, your cleanup hitter should not be hitting hitting second? Okay, got it. Yeah, <laughs> because you keep having Sean Rodriguez come up when you need a hit to win a game. <laughs> yeah, or Roman Quinn. Is he actually okay. hitting below one hundred now? Because God, he's terrible. Uh, he was hitting. I think he actually may have increased his average over this weekend, which is uh, well, that fun was short lived. Wow. All right. Let's stop talking about the Phillies. Let's talk about the Flyers. Woohoo! And on the topic of that fun being short-lived, um, this this next segment might be a little controversial. So, uh, you want to talk? Let's talk trades. Let's. Well, talk hold on. Let's start. You want to start out with the for who for what? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. We'll start off with that. That one is not Flyers specific. Um, it's but hockey it is, specific, yeah. Yep, hockey specific, and it came uh, at the request of friend from the show, uh, friend of the show, Sean Hayes, uh, one of the hosts of our sister podcast, The Whip Around. You can find him at Twitter, uh, on Twitter at the real Sean Hayes. No, actually, it's just at the Sean Hayes one. <laughs> and he said that he was reading an article somewhere, and he came across the fact that the Spinorama was banned from the NHL and he was fascinated by it and just wanted me to to get into that and give him some more details and 
we talked about that very briefly before we started recording today, and both Gene and Dave had no idea that the Spinorama was quote unquote banned from the NHL. Yeah, my shock with it was, I mean, not that I didn't know about it, but if a player did it and it's banned, what, like what happens? Does someone does a, a ref blow a whistle and there's a penalty, or like what? And what's the penalty? I, I, I think I still see it, don't I? Like showboating? Like do you get like two <laughs> minutes for showboating? Well, so that that brings it to the heart of the matter because it's not really banned from the regular course of play. So if you have a breakaway on a goalie and you choose to do the spinorama and you score or don't score or fall down or whatever, that's <laughs> fine. Um, it's banned from penalty shots and the shootout. And the reason behind that is um, it wasn't originally banned. I think it came in for the 2014-2015 season. And the reason behind that is you need to have forward momentum. Uh, in your shootout, you can't move backwards uh, in your in your breakaway on a shootout or a, a penalty shot. And the goalies and other people rightfully argued that in the spinorama, you are moving backwards. You're stopping your forward momentum. And if a player could do that on a penalty shot on a shootout, they should score every score. time. Yeah. Okay. It's. In, in a real-life game situation, on a breakaway, there, there's a time element that it's essentially a, a race between the, the guy in the breakaway, the defender pursuing him, and the goalie. And they have to make a decision. These decisions are time-sensitive, and it's usually the first one to commit to a play, the goalie or the guy in the breakaway, is going to be the one that's successful. Now... In game time, if you go backwards, you're going to have that defender on you. You know, maybe you can pull it off. You have a tremendous lead. Um, but if there's nobody there, let's say all the defenders fell down. Lots of people are falling down in this conversation. But all the defenders fall down. <laughs> and you have all the time you want. Well, then you just stop. Stop. Turn back. Wait for the goalie to commit and then put it on net where he is. So because of that, the spinorama is banned from the NHL. Only in certain situations. It was a button uh, in like NHL 96, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I spun my way around. Like I feel like it was back in the Genesis days. It was still yeah. available on that. And just, oh yeah, just spinorama. You know, I think it was kind of a deke move that if you hit twice would just turn into a spinorama. Sweet. Well, there it is. Yep. Spinorama. Okay. So move us on move us on to these uh trades. Yeah, let's start with the trades and then we'll go to Kevin Hayes and the draft if you want to. So these trades have been divisive, to say the least. We traded Radko Gudis and retained some of his salary uh over to uh the Washington Capitals uh, for Matt Niskanen. Matt Niskanen is older, more expensive, and has one year left on his contract. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound... It doesn't sound good. We'll say it that way. It doesn't sound good. Matt Niskanen has been a better player than Rodko Gudis. Last year was not a good year for Niskanen. 
I, I, my initial take was I thought this was kind of a lateral move. Um, then I saw some talk of you know potentially pairing him with Ghost and having him be more stay-at-home defenseman and let Ghost you know take more offensive risks. I like that a little. And then a thought occurred to me, both with this move and the one I'm, I'm going to talk about next, that reminded me a lot of the 07-08 Flyers. These were the Flyers that went to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Penguins, uh, lost in six games. And, you know, Richards and Carter were giving their chance to come to prominence. You know, we had, like, Joffrey Lupo on the team. We had um, Mike Knubel on the team. And then we brought in a few other players, and uh, most notably Danny Briere, but also a team in Hartnell um, became you know, fixtures for the Flyers for a while. But one of the people we brought in was Ryan Smith. He, you know, known as Captain Canada for how many times he captained Canada, uh, Canada's team in the World Championships and a former captain in Edmonton. And he was sort of the seat warmer for Mike Richards. And I thought of that along with the move for Niskanen and Braun. And it made me a little more optimistic that these guys are coming in to sort of shoulder the leadership load, bring in more calming veteran presence, and let the young guys grow into the leadership roles as opposed to having it being thrust upon them. You know, the young guys are playing, but they didn't have much backup. Who was who was the leader of our defense last year from, you know... A mentorship role. Andrew McDonald, who was finally <laughs> bought out. Thank God. Um, Flyers Gutis, fans rejoice. Yeah, Gudis, who's not terribly old, he's a younger player, um, did not see much playoff success, only what he had in his limited time with the is Flyers. That, is that giving Chuck Fletcher a lot of credit to say, I'm going to make this move in an effort to. Yeah, I, I'm trying to make my team better. I'm going to make this move to provide mentorship and burden leadership load. Yeah. I think it's giving him a lot of credit. I think there's things that have been said to indicate this. And I kind of think there was a bait and switch on flyers fans that there was going to be changes coming and we were going to be aggressive and they, the flyers have been active, you know, uh, bringing in Kevin Hayes, uh, eventually getting him signed, um, making the trade for Niskanen, buying out AMAC, making the trade of picks for uh, Justin Braun from uh, San Jose. They, they've been active, and they're not huge moves. They're, they're lateral moves. I think slight improvements provided Niskanen's not falling backwards, but... Uh, you know, regressing, I mean. Um, but it really is going, hey, young guys, this is your team. We're providing you better support. So you don't have to be out there going, I'm hauling, you know, AMAC and uh, God, who are the other, you know, corpses that they're dragging around the last few seasons? You know, I'm dragging <laughs> these guys around. The the one guy we got from the Kings who was atrocious. Um and just going playing and growing into that leadership role. 
So it really is shakeups to refocus on the young core. And it's not what they're expecting. And it just and is it is it is it giving so these defensive moves, mm-hmm. is it giving Carter Hart uh, the security to say like, okay, this guy may not be an exceptional player, but I at least know he's going to be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. And he's, he's not going to make a crazy play, but at least I know I, I have some base and I, I don't have like some sort of daredevil out there taking chances like that kind of thing. You know, I hadn't thought about it with respect to Carter Hart, but that's a good point. Maybe less of the daredevil thing and more of making smart defensive moves. I think if you say Niskanen's uh, cooked, like he can't keep up the game, he's a smart defenseman. Maybe he becomes more of a stay-at-home defenseman, but he's going to make smart plays. Uh, the same thing with Braun. It's, you know, the the analytics on him look okay. Um, San Jose people despise him, but he <laughs> seems like a third-pairing guy. Like a, a true third pairing guy, he's not going to have much of a leash here. And we have but... we have a pipeline, right? We've got guys, defensemen, developing and are close to becoming ready for the big club. Hence, sort of our draft strategy, right? No. Um, <laughs> so our our defensemen that we are waiting to to develop are already on the club. Uh, it is Sanheim, Provorov, Ghost, and Myers. Phil Myers saw limited action last season, but he's planned for in the future. Robert Hegg has been up and down in a lot of people's opinions. I think he is going to be probably our seventh defenseman. Um, Sam Moran kind of has to be with the big club. He is no longer waivers exempt. If we send him down, uh, there's a chance he may get picked up. Probably not the start of the season. If you send guys down the AHL to start off with, people are normally pretty happy with their team or content with their team and don't want to do a big roster shakeup just for the hell of it. But definitely mid-season. Like if we, ha- if we started him with the Phantoms and went to call him up to the Flyers, there's a very good chance somebody would just you know, take a waiver on him and grab him. So outside of Friedman, um, who is still in the AHL, that's it for our big name defenseman. And that goes to the draft strategy of we had to restock the cupboard. You know, there's, there's no one banging down the door anymore. So we shift from waiting for defensemen to come up to now we're waiting for offense to come up. Um, and I, it was about this time last year that we started Carter Hart watch. And I was saying, when is Carter Hart going to be called up or is he going to make the team? So I'll just start it now. Uh, is Morgan Frost going to make this team? Uh, I would have felt more comfortable if you asked when in this season would we see Morgan Frost? And then will he make it out of camp? Unless another move comes, I think Morgan Frost makes this team out of camp. I think he will be a fourth line winger and will work his way up. Um, see, that's uh, that's the only thing that gives me pause. It probably would be better for him to start and do two months, a month and a half with the Phantoms. Yeah, 
and then then come up and play third line minutes as opposed to fourth line minutes just just for his reps and he's but, obviously frosty right oh yeah <laughs> he goes right to frosty oh yeah definitely okay. definitely frosty uh it's, there's some talk of Joel Farabee as well i don't think we see much of Joel Farabee this year i think he's going to spend the majority of the year with the phantoms maybe a, an appearance here or there um it and wouldn't you touched, su- you, ahead, you touched on the draft Oh yeah. Well, let's talk about the Kevin Hayes signing real quick. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is he Jersey worthy? I think so, but I am totally biased because he went for went to BC, centered a line with uh, Johnny Goudreau, and you know I'm a huge fan. Is he Jersey worthy? Uh, if probably not, because he's not going to be the flashiest guy. Okay. He will facilitate uh, the people he plays with. He'll put up numbers. He he should just be a nice, reliable second line center that that improves. He's not going to be a deficit. And now all of a sudden we have Patrick as the third line center, and we have plenty of good wingers. You know, I still think there's a eh, it's a real question of who's going to play third line right wing for a while like for the long term i think the answer will be frost but it's Hayes is a a nice signing a little expensive but we brought him in before becoming a unrestricted free agent we were going to pay more than market value and it's probably only like a quarter of a million more than market value well and and the the free agent class for a two center is is it's it's thin, so he was going to command because of a scarcity kind of in the market. He was going to command a high price, so yes. this was our only chance really to lock him down before, if anything, the price could have gone up. It could have, or um, it could have, or he could have just had more attractive options. You know, for the same money. You know, what I mean, like, let's say someone like God forbid New York, um, or the friggin' Devils. Uh, were to uh, talk to him in the free agency period and offer the same exact n- number and years that the Flyers were, and maybe he just sees, eh, you know, I, I've played in New York. I know that I like living in the, the New York metropolitan area. I'm just going to do that. You know what I mean? So as stupid as it may sound, the little courtship time really could have been enough to go, oh, yeah, I like this area, you know, I like these facilities. I got to meet with some people and they paid me why I want to get paid. So I'm, I think we're going to be happy with him. I think some people are going to be quick to point him out as, you know, a reason why uh, Fletcher sucks or whatever. But, (laughs) but I, I think he's, he's Jersey worthy in my opinion, but maybe a little vanilla. Nice. And on that, did you want to hop into the draft? Yeah, yeah. Who who do we get? Who's like the big? What's the big deal here? Yeah, we'll no go back to again. Nothing flashy. It's you know we the big controversy was moving down the first round, not grabbing Cole Caulfield, who was everybody's favorite player that they never heard of before the beginning of that broadcast. You know, but everybody's favorite player and. Uh, we brought in uh, another young defenseman, 
and a guy I inaccurately described as tall to Gene. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I had seen uh, the scouting report uh, on the Everyone's kid. tall with skates on, Chuck. What's what? Everyone's tall with skates on. Well, no, it's uh, the player's Cam York, and he has this, like, Conan O'Brien, like, red pompadour. And it it's like four inches on top of what's apparently a 5'11 frame. And I was just like, I'm like, oh, he's not tall. But he's a defenseman. It's a need. And Cole Caulfield was a bit of a gamble. Um, in the second round, uh, we moved up. We got uh, Bobby Briggs. I think it's, uh, sorry, Bobby Brink. Uh, and a lot of people saying that he was a bit of a steal at that time. I can go into other draft picks, yeah. but long story short, we're not going to see any of them for a while. Right. So get get used to the team we have. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So uh, let's uh, let's keep on moving here. So Sixers draft. All right, I'll start on that one too. So the thing you have to know about basketball, <laughs> Gene, we traded for our guy, Maurice Tybal. Bible, yeah, that's how I've heard it pronounced. Yeah, the Sixers really were in love with this guy, uh, so in love with him that we telegraphed our love to the Celtics, and Danny Ainge took advantage of us once again. Well, the the thing that we th- this whole process was a was a I think poorly handled. I guess we made some sort of promise to him that he was going to be drafted in in the 20s um and i guess from my understanding that's there's that's a contract level issue like if you go in in the 10 to 20 range and then if you go 20 to 30 you know these are all the the amounts of money that you are then owed or guaranteed to to get being picked in a certain range um and i guess via that promise he worked out for us and then didn't work out for anybody else not that this kid wasn't a four-year senior so you know, there's tape on him. Um, But I guess we were just worried that if somebody went and saw him playing against no defense in a gym, that they would catch on that, that there was something draftable about him and, uh, and we would lose him. I I don't know. I feel like we just, we just really should have just sent out, we should have just walked in as a draft team with like his, his, his Washington Jersey, just to kind of make it that clear that that's who we wanted. I just feel like Danny Ainge laughs at us. Like a- as soon as Hinky left the building, I feel like he, you know, was rubbing his palms together and just said like, "Yes, I'm taking advantage of whatever jackass they bring in." Uh, you know, so I I don't know. I, I don't know. I-, I I just always am uneasy with doing a deal with him, but from everything that everyone tells me is don't worry. This is different. But I guess he's some sort of defensive phenom. Uh, set all sorts of uh, defensive uh, records, and that's one thing that kind of translates the easiest, right? If you play defense, that's a that's a talent that translates to the NBA. Well, you keep hearing these two different things. You hear, well, he comes out of a zone, so take it for what it's worth. But you also hear that he's literally just got a nose for the ball and 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 for passing lanes and and kind of like an, an even more. It's almost like a a Robert Covington with, with, with more skill. Um, 
in terms of being able to to convert these things into points. Um, he was a guy that averaged nine points in college in what is notoriously a boring offense in Washington, the way it's been run uh, since Fultz was gone, so I guess in the last two, three years. Mm. Um, the interesting stat that I heard was that they were ranked near the 100 number in offense, but were in the top 20 in defense, and most uh, scouts credit that specifically for the team with his play. So that kind of jumps out at you that he kind of had that kind of an impact um, on 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 the team, almost like he was he was he was kind of the driving force between the you know the success that they had. Um, I like the idea that he's a four year s- senior. There's a very good chance that he's going to be able to step right in and contribute. Uh, the other thing that makes me kind of nauseous i guess about this whole process of the draft has been you know didn't elton basically come out and say you you don't win basketball games you don't win playoff games with with late round draft picks or something to that effect he said like young players i, I think it was it was something like you know championship teams aren't me because everyone's complaining we had five picks and we came out with two players right well we have all we only have two guys we only what four we only have four guys signed for this coming season so there's all these holes to fill uh and to only come out with two players one of which being like a long shot project guy um you know is kind of unsettling which kind of indicates that we're gonna have to go hard in free agency to fill a lot of these needs um so he basically was saying look we're, we're in win now mode and you don't win championships with two-thirds of your roster filled with rookies and, and younger guys well, so that, the the other thing is, you overpay in most cases, and and maybe more and more in the NBA than any other sport, where you you've got to hand out these max contracts. A lot of this is kind of leading up to the next step is going to be really important as to how this all shakes out. We have to. It becomes even more apparent that you have to re-sign Jimmy Butler. Like that just has to happen. Um, I don't know where you stand on this. I've almost to a certain degree written off. Tobias at this point, which is very frustrating because of the amount of assets that you gave up for him as essentially a very, very expensive rental. And I just don't feel like that investment really paid off. I think Tobias is a good player, uh, but for the amount of capital that you invested in him, that there was two players in a, I think it was two players and, and two picks or, 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 or it was high two firsts. Um, you know, that's, that's, leverage that you could have used for for other 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 assets and it feels like we've just thrown out all of the lessons that we learned in the tanking phase and just gone in uh, on this you know we were acting like we're rich we're acting like well, you might have been a, well, it might have got you a quadruple bounce away from winning an nba title yeah Ugh. yeah <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it dave but yeah so, i mean it might have been you know it might have been worth it it could have paid off we'll put it that way but don't you feel like for what we gave up for tobias that it should be more of a, a feeling of certainty that we were going to run this back to a certain degree that the only guy we were worried well, that about that was our was promise ready? that was what it was promised when it happened and it i don't know the, we got it all figured out we could bring both these guys back don't worry we'll see i mean you know we'll see what happens we'll see what happens Sixers 2020. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see with a Joel Embiid uh, shrug emoji. 
uh, right on the front of the Wells Fargo Center. I'd be happy to see it. All right. Uh, two things I want to get to before we go to Chuck's penalty box. Um, the Major League Baseball has given the uh, Tampa Bay Rays permission to explore the option of splitting their home season between Tampa and Montreal. What do we think about this? And do you have any potential team names? Oh, so you think they're going to totally rebrand? I don't. Well, I don't know. Maybe the Montreal Devil Rays, like <laughs> the Montreal Rays. I saw. Uh, I saw the X Rays. I, I was uh, thinking the Expo Rays. The Expo Rays. Yeah, the Expo Rays. The Ice Rays. The Ice Rays. The Ice Rays. <laughs> Uh, the and this is not mine. I saw it on Twitter. The Tampa Montreal Rays, spelled R apostrophe E H S. Oh, R apostrophe E H S. Is that like French? Is it like Rays no, no, no? A like oh, it's the Tampa Bay's Rays, eh? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. that, that, maybe that's the better one. It's the Rays, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw some cool, like, um, Rays Expos logo mashups with, like, oh, the yeah, TV nice. in the, in the, uh, the Montreal uh, font. It looked oh. kind of cool. But so uh, where do you play? Like, what if you make the – like, the Rays are good. Yeah. Which is, like, so first off, like, fuck you, Tampa. Like, <laughs> you have a good baseball team. Like, I get it. You, you're the Yankees in Boston. But, like. Uh, support this team for crying out loud. So if they make the playoffs and you have this split, where do you play these games? Where's game seven if it goes to a game seven? I guess wherever they have the better – well, you just have to pay it, play it twice, once in Tampa. You, you play four And then once innings again in, in French. Yeah. Who owns this team? Do they play the Canadian National Anthem at every game, whether it's in uh... – Montreal or in Tampa. They should. Yeah. They should. If yeah. if Montreal like if you're you know, if you're a lumberjack, uh, or some other Montreal profession and you have your season pass to this team, or well, I guess not, I guess be part of your uh your local sports network. Uh so you're sitting there watching TSN uh and you know, here's your baseball team, they better be playing your national anthem. Yeah, then I'm out. I can't deal with all the, the Canadian national anthem every time. <laughs> <laughs> you go to you go into a, a Rays game, Rays Yankees game. You got to hear the Canadian national anthem. So here's the other thing: which which place will have a better stadium? I remember the the Montreal Expo stadium being kind of a dump, and we all know that. Some, like, I heard some shit like it's conditional on them getting a new stadium in both cities. Wow! Oh no, I I can't imagine that. I thought this was a ploy to get a new stadium from one city or the other, because Montreal does not have a new baseball stadium. It's still still Olympic. It's still Olympic. Wow! Yeah. So I mean, there's opportunity. Like if Montreal really wanted a, a, a league or wanted a team in the city, this seems like there's opportunity there. If they go full in. New state-of-the-art stadium, you know, blah, 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 blah. It feels like they could pull them away if they won. Yeah, I mean, I think probably whoever's willing to pony up for a stadium first. And the, the thing I heard about the timing was that they'd play the the cold part of the season in Tampa and play the warm part of the season in Montreal. Like, I you know, so they'd be going to Montreal, either a good team or a bad team. 
You know, so like do you just build so is it a non dome? Would you make a non dome in Montreal? And then just go, uh, yeah, it's raining in Montreal. We're we're doing this thing in Tampa tonight. <laughs> Everyone get on the plane. Everybody get on the plane. get on the plane. Well, I mean, they just have to live somewhere equidistant, which you know, where the hell's that? Is that Pennsylvania? Yeah. Like, like oh do all God. the players well, live? I think it's Rochester, actually. I have okay, like what portion of your salary is taxed from Florida and which portion is Canadian? And those are very, very different tax rates. <laughs> I would imagine Montre- so. Montreal taxes people at the ass. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're supporting a national health care system. And if you get and sick, Florida, do you do you have to wait zero. six months for a doctor in Montreal or can you go one in Tampa? Mm, good question. Good question. I don't think you have to wait six months for a doctor in Montreal, but let's. No, not... I heard that's true. I heard that's true, actually. Well, yeah, <laughs> they told me that's the... not fake news. I heard that's true. <laughs> they have the death panels up there as well. <laughs> but here, here, what? Or, or the panels de mort. The the most important thing is what mascot do they get? I mean, this is Potadelphia. We have to talk about the mascot. Well, Yupi is Yupi just there in a fan capacity? <laughs> like he's just sitting there in the front row, like all maybe it's UB forty. Maybe UB forty is the UB forty <laughs> band. <laughs> yes, red red wine. <laughs> all right, let's keep it moving. I want to talk about this uh, rule change in the NFL about uh, pass interference. We'll call it the Saints rule. <laughs> um, so here's the official rule. Uh, after the two-minute warning in each half and during an overtime period, the replay official will stop the game to initiate a replay review for pass interference under stricter criteria slash guidelines that is applicable for other reviewable play types. The rationale for the stricter criteria is to prevent excessive game clock stoppages for a foul that involves a greater degree of subjectivity than other reviewable plays. Accordingly, the replay official will stop the game when there is clear and obvious visual evidence that a pass interference foul may or may have not occurred based on viewing the play live or any initial available live feed views. That is the official website for NFL operations. So what do we think? More stoppages, more ambiguity, or is this a good thing? Yeah. I thought I understood it until you read it. Oh, damn. I made it worse. Yeah. It's basically so it's, it's, it's not something that you can throw a flag. You throw the red flag and say, review this for pass interference or review that penalty for pass interference. It looks like it's only initiated by the replay official. Okay. Which is good. I think that's good. That's about the only positive thing I have about this li- the, this rule is that it's not going to be called from the sideline because that it will be every single play. The the flags will just be flying. I'm really getting close to the point now where the NFL referee quality is so low that we need to just remove them from the field altogether and just do this thing strictly by you know via robots or cameras or lights or something like that because it's almost like they're useless at this point yeah do it straight up tennis style have like you know two eyes in the sky and like that that bird's eye camera thing they use that tells you whether it's in or out yeah or like uh just have things in like the corner of the field where 
like hot dog or t-shirt cannons that just if there's a penalty it's just and <laughs> flags fly out of it like yellow flags fly out <laughs> or maybe they can have it on top of the player's helmets and if they commit a penalty it's it like goes, yeah it just explodes uh, off yeah like a, yeah it raises a little antenna that's got a yellow flag on it yeah why the hell am i thinking of double dare right now but <laughs> Because I look remarkably like Mark Summers. <laughs> well, you do wash your hands compulsively. <laughs> All right. So, it, you know, I guess it is what it is. We're just going down this path one step at a time with these penalties and the reviews and everything. And it's just it's just football, right? That's yeah. the way it is. I, I think not to get too serious towards the end of a late show i think i think there's therefore you are (laughs) (laughs) Ah, nice little descartes reference for for all of our followers but um i think there's going to be a tipping point i think we are going to legislate this game to a standstill and then it's just going to be there are two refs and little reviews and old school football or something. There has to I be. Just, I'm just really imagining the replays of these pass interference things going like back and forth, back and forth. And you and you got Joe Buck on. I don't know. It looks like his pinky may have yeah. influenced the, you know, an arm hair. Maybe she just put a timer. They should put a timer, recognize you're not going to get everything right, go, hey, it might have been pass interference. The review judge gets to watch it three times, once regular speed, twice in slow motion, camera shuts off. They have to enter in like thumbs up or thumbs (laughs) down within 10 seconds, if not the call on the field stands. Like, what the hell would be wrong with that? Wow. Yeah, no, I like it. It's, you know, it's fine. Um. All right, I mean, like this is going to be interesting to see how this how this pans out because I I feel like it's going to come up a lot. Just mm-hmm. my, this is my natural inclination. Let's go to Chuck's penalty box. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Not even a pause for a breath uh, between that transition, and we'll kick it off with you, Gene. Who is in your penalty box? In my penalty box is Luke Hughes, fourteen years old. <laughs> Brother of Quinn and Jack, I believe, are the other two Hughes brothers. You are correct. And uh, the reason I'm putting this kid in the penalty box is because clearly he is going to be the one that will end up on the Flyers. (laughs) (laughs) So I would like to put him in the penalty box before we are stuck with, once again, the least gifted uh, brother in a talented family. So for my penalty box this week... However long we need to put him into the penalty box so that he falls after our draft position in, uh, if he's 14 now, four years from now. So I don't know what the math is on that, how many minutes <laughs> that is, but uh, that's what I would assess is so that he ends up on a team that's not the Flyers. Okay, well, I'm not doing the math either. I'm just going to uh, put him on indefinite suspension uh, until one game uh, sorry, till one pick after the Flyers pick four years from now, uh, he violated the Giambi uh, rule and therefore is uh, indefinite suspension. 
Uh, Dave, uh, who is in your penalty box? Okay, I'm putting Casey McDonald uh, into the penalty box. She's a um, a reporter for Nesson. Okay. Um, and she does a, a segment during Red Sox games called the social stretch. Um, well, she pointed out, so this was last Monday, McDonald pointed out someone who was uh, eating mayonnaise out of a huge jar at a Memphis Redbirds game. Well, the fan spilled some mayonnaise on his shirt, um, and she referred to the shirt as a guinea tea. Oh, holy crap. Wow. <laughs> because uh, in this day and age of the Me Too movement, evidently a wife beater is inappropriate. So she decided to go with uh, insulting the Ita- entire Italian culture with the guinea tea. How about a tank top? How about it? <laughs> How about it? How about or- it, Casey? <laughs> <laughs> or even an undershirt. With the guinea tea. <laughs> and what was poor Casey's Irish last name again? McDonald. Oh, Casey. She might be Scottish. Chuck, you don't have to claim her. Also, isn't she the wife of Eric Hosmer? That doesn't help her case. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Nesson. There you go. Oh, well, all right. Casey, Boston, let's talk. These are conversations. <laughs> Conversations you have indoors at certain pubs in public, it gotta be better. You should be better in private too, but at least in the public, you're 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 getting a double minor and ten Hail Marys, and be better in the future. And you He's know, Catholic on Catholic crimes, yeah. I'm just not in. And, and you no, know that she no. like her mental like editing machine was like, well. Um, I can only say one of these two things. Um, which one am I going to go with? All right, let's just commit. Maybe she thought the pig. Maybe it was a guinea pig. That's what I hope for. A I, small I Argentinian hope... delicacy? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I was just going to let it slide, but go ahead. What? People eat those things like in Argentina. You can get them off, off a menu. Oh, my Lord. They're Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Argentina, apparently. Um, no, the people who are in my penalty box, um, they are bar down. Uh, they are part of TSN's uh, coverage. Um, they cover hockey. That's a reference. Bar down. You know, you, you know where you take your slap shot or your snipe, whatever hits the bar goes down. Well, they um, they passed on a great quote. Um, from Kevin Hayes, and it says, I really don't want to get chirped by Travis Konechny anymore. That played a big factor into me signing with the Flyers. Oh, wow. Now, um, that went out on TSN's official Instagram, and it wasn't true. Not even a little bit. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) I know, it does suck. You really wish it were true. But it was uh, uh, Tim Ruday, um former Flyers uh, reporter uh, with NBCSN um, and not a current reporter with anyone. But someone must have had him in their contact list, like him on alert on Twitter and saw this quote and ran with it. And it was up on the TSN website for (laughs) for a while, at least several hours before eventually being taken down when someone told them, yeah, he never said that. 
So TSN and Bar Down for passing on something too beautiful to be true. You're getting a two-minute minor. We all wished it was true, too. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please check out our show on iTunes. Give it a uh, give it a review. Give it a subscription. Give it a rating. We'd super appreciate it. Also, uh, check us out on social media. We love uh, interacting with people there. Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram are where we are active and if you have any uh more time in your podcast listening day week uh check out the whip around for all your uh weird news a lot of fun uh being had over there so until next week have a great day at work everybody we're out of here <laughs> <laughs>